What's up, everybody? Welcome back into another edition of Bar Top Sports Talk. This is your host, Tino Bernal, talking to you all. With my co-host, as always, Ryan Big Mur Murray. <laughs> I come up? up with a new nickname for you every show. I'm always nervous about it. <laughs> you never know what's coming, man. I keep you on your toes. For real. <laughs> well, we hope everyone's having a good week, as always. Ryan, we having a good week? Yeah, man. It's cool. Sounds good. Sounds good. Hope everyone enjoyed episode 43. Got a lot to get into for episode 44, especially in the NFL world. Next week, and to kind of highlight the NFL real quick, next week is the legal tampering period in the NFL. So right before the new league year starts, so the 2023 league year, that's when you're really going to start to see free agency ramp up, so many trade rumors. We're already seeing a few, especially in Chiefs Kingdom. We have that for you all towards the end of the show. We saw a few quarterback dominoes fall so far. It kind of sets up for the next wave of quarterbacks to get the bag. Some I agree with, some I don't. Ryan, I'm sure you're going to have your opinion on that. Some more things to look forward to this episode. It is officially conference championship week in college basketball. We are not even a week away. We're, what, five days away? From Selection Sunday? Yep. Oh, my goodness, man. Hopefully our Kansas Jayhawks, they got a rebound after that ugly loss against Texas. Hopefully they take care of business in Kansas City. But I think we'll come away with a one seed. So we'll have the Big 12. The regular season just ended, of course, this past Saturday. We have all the postseason awards. So we'll have that for you guys. And the NBA Power Rankings Week 19 edition. The Players of the Week. and of course. The latest news in the association, and one John Morant who is stealing headlines, unfortunately, in the wrong way. And that right, buddy. Mm-hmm. But to start this show, in honor of today being the start of the WBC, we're going to talk some baseball to start episode forty-four. I know we did that last week, but spring training as well. The Royals are still doing good, so I got to highlight them. They've been exciting to watch, even though I haven't really had a chance to watch them yet. They're now 10-2 and two in the Cactus League division. They have the best record in spring training out of every MLB team. I know that's nothing to get super excited about, just given the fact that spring training wins don't necessarily lead to or translate to a World Series team, I guess you could say. Not to say that the Royals are going to be a World Series team this year, but even to have playoff success, you, you want to see your young guys step up. You want to see your veterans get ramped up for the start of the regular season. 10-2, and two, I feel like it's an accomplishment, especially for this team. I think we were picked to finish last, which we'll talk about once we get closer to the opening day, which is March 30th. We'll talk more about the division projections, win-loss projections. We'll talk more about about that at a later date. But the <laughs> the preseason hype around the Royals is not very high, or at least the the expectations they're not very high. They're ten and two, as I mentioned. They just came off a victory against the Arizona Diamondbacks, ten to one yesterday. Sunday, they beat the San Francisco Giants 5-1. to 
So back-to-back games, allowing under two runs. I'll take that, man. I know it's only spring training, but to give up two runs in two games, pretty good. Dodgers was our loss on the weekend. We had a doubleheader on Saturday. We played the Cincinnati Reds and won 12-6, and then the Dodgers were the, the second portion. And then on Friday, we beat the Oakland Athletics. For now, the Oakland Athletics. I feel like they're going to move at some point. Have you seen that? They're going to explore the possibility of moving to Vegas. That'd be weird. Baseball team in Vegas, yeah. Are they just not getting the like, turnout? Well, that and the Coliseum's a dump. Oh. The Oakland Coliseum. That's where the Raiders played. That place is terrible. Basically just falling apart. That is just not a good baseball stadium. I've never been. I mean, neither have I. I've just, I've seen things and I've heard things and none of it's good. It's all negative talk. And to quickly highlight the Royals by the numbers. Now, by the numbers, I'm saying these are how they have stacked up statistically through 11 games at the time. So this was as of yesterday. Now, before they play the game against the Arizona Diamondbacks, they are leading all 30. MLB teams and batting average at 323, on base percentage at 388, slugging percentage at 548, OPS at 936. They have the most runs at 85, the most hits with 129 hits. They have the most total bases at 219, and they have the most doubles with 30. Again, I know it's only spring training. We have to take it with a grain of salt, but that is very, very encouraging. To have the top offense, essentially, in baseball through 11 games of spring training, I mean, that, that's got to count for something, right? Yeah. Like, I know I compare it to the Chiefs. I know, say, the Chiefs had the pre Patrick Mahomes, of course. Say the Chiefs had the number one offense with Trent Green or Alex Smith or Brody Croyle. Obviously, there you're kind of thinking, this is really nice, but can Brody Croyle really do that through, at that time, a 16-game schedule? Probably not. We'll see if this team can do that, you know, 162 games. Not very likely, just given that we have so many young guys and some inconsistent bats, but... I thought that was really interesting that how well they're doing at the plate. Pitching-wise, I don't know. <laughs> it, it could be a different story. But I think, I mean, the last two games, they've only given up two runs. So it's not doing too bad. I can actually take a look to see how many runs they've given up. They're plus 33 in run differential. They've only given up 62 runs through 12 games now. That'll do. That'll do. Now... Can it translate into wins during the regular season? That is the million-dollar question because we've seen the Royals do this before. Can they, can they keep it up? I hope so. That's my only question. They need to carry this momentum into late March and early April and then continue to carry it. Can't have months go months with losing slumps. And I mentioned the WBC. Tonight is the official night of the opening round of pool play. So March 7th, Cuba and the Netherlands actually kick it off. They're going to be on Fox Sport 1. I, was, I did see something about the pool. 
I'm gonna take a look at that. The actual pool brackets. So who was in you know that the World Cup they'll give like pool A, pool A, pool D, pool A, pool B, pool B C. I'm just making things up at this point. Let me take a look. Apologize, I did not have this pulled up. Um, so, for example, Pool A has Chinese Taipei, the Netherlands, Cuba, Italy, and Panama. Pool B has Japan, Korea, Australia, China, Czech Republic. Pool C, United States, Mexico, Colombia, Canada, and Great Britain. I think the United States makes it out of that. They have a pretty strong team this year. A lot of the projections, they're predicting the Dominican Republic to face the United States in the championship game. Got some Royals on. the. I don't know about the Dominican Republic team, but I know the Royals are represented pretty well on the United States team. Bobby Wood, Brady Singer. I want to say maybe one more player, but could be wrong. That is where we'll leave off with the Royals, though. Hopefully they continue. Spring training will last, I believe, another week or so. A week and a half, possibly. I know they play at least a little over 20 games, maybe 25 games. We're going to transition to college basketball, though. A highlighted conference championship week. I know, Ryan's, he's he's excited. He's smiling over there, if you all can see him. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm smiling, too, man. It's an exciting week. We're going to be at the Big 12 tournament. We've said it a few times. We'll be there tomorrow. That's why we're having a Tuesday edition of Bar Top Sports Talk. The latest AP poll will start there. Houston, number one in the land. They almost they almost got upset. Did you see that? Yeah. Last second shot. Against or, Memphis. Was it at the buzzer or just like a second left? I believe it, I was, it was at the close. buzzer. They narrowly escaped the Memphis Tigers. I was really hoping that that would be the game that they dropped. Just because I'm, I am curious to see if they get the number one overall seed. Because then, what region do you think they would pick? I still don't like. I've watched college basketball for so long, and the regions still confuse me. Like how that stuff works. I don't know how they come up with that. So the it number one me up. The number one overall seed gets to pick it though. Gets to pick which region they'll play in. So I mean, Houston, Texas. You're south, but you're also technically in the midwest so i don't know if you want to go through the south or do you want to go through the midwest go through kansas city i can't remember where the south goes through the regional final for the south i can't remember i mean do the houston texans want or not the houston texans <laughs> they aren't used to postseason play but the houston cougars do they want to come to kansas city i don't know they'd have to make it that far first but I was really hoping Memphis would have beat them. UCLA moves up to number two. I feel like that's just benefit of the doubt because so many teams lost this past weekend. Upsets everywhere. There was a number of upsets in the top 25. It was not a a kind weekend if you're a ranked team. Kansas holds down the three spots still. I think rightfully so. I mean, losing on the road in Austin to number nine, Texas, it's not a bad loss. It was ugly. It, I don't think it's a bad loss, though, compared to other teams in the country. You know what I mean? Top 10 game on the road. I mean, yeah, we got destroyed, but 
not a lot to play for at that point. I mean, yeah, you don't want to get sweeped by a team, but. That was the th- I mean, yeah, at least we split with them. And we, as you mentioned, secured the outright Big 12 championship already. So that game, and I asked you the question, if, you know, did they pack it in? Because I didn't really get to watch it. But then again, I know Bill Self, and I know Bill Self wouldn't allow that. Because I, I believe leading up to the game, reporters were asking him if he was going to restrict some minutes, you know, on guys they usually rely on, Dewan, Jalen, McCuller, KJ, you know, if they were going to have their minutes restricted a little bit. He, he just flat out said no. Yeah. So I don't know. It was a, What happened Saturday was interesting. We'll talk more about it during the KU portion of college basketball. But Alabama, number four. They also had a close game, I believe. I can't remember exactly. No, they lost. They got upset at Texas A&M. Brandon Miller fouled out. <laughs> he was actually named the SEC Player of the Year. I saw that. That was crazy. Interesting. Interesting times we are living in. Number five, Purdue. Purdue gets back in the top five. Number six, Marquette. Number seven, Texas. They move up a couple spots. Number eight, Arizona. Number nine, Gonzaga. And number 10, Baylor. Baylor got beat, right? I'm about to look at that. I can't even remember. Baylor did get beat by Iowa State. So, and that was in Waco. They dropped three spots, really. I would have, I mean, if I was uh, part of the committee, I would have probably knocked them out of the top ten. Not by much. I don't want to sound too much like a hater. I know KU lost, but a loss in Waco against an unranked Iowa State, that, that's worse than a loss on the road against Texas. Yeah, I would agree. I'm also a KU fan, though. So. I, I want to highlight the, number, uh, the amount of top 25 teams that lost, though. There's a lot of shakeup in this rankings update. Texas A&M against Alabama, that was obviously one of the biggest upsets. See, even Seton Hall went on the road to Providence and obliterated Providence. Kansas State, we've mentioned, going to Morgantown, that was not going to be easy. They had a chance to lock up the number two seed in the Big 12 tournament and flopped. They actually led in that game, I believe, by 10 points, and and then they lost by eight. Tennessee went on the road to Auburn and lost. TCU blew it against Oklahoma. Oklahoma again. We I don't know how many times we've we've highlighted them. Their inconsistency. They'll they'll lose a game by double digits, but then when it comes to having a big game in Norman against a ranked opponent, they their level of play just exceeds any expectation laid out for them. Pittsburgh, they lost to Miami. Miami won. Arizona lost to UCLA. That's why UCLA got moved up. I see now. Just a crazy weekend. The last weekend of the regular season. Did you see North Carolina lost again? To Duke. That's right. Duke swept them this season. They might have sealed their fate. 12 losses. I know that they're North Carolina and the name speaks for itself. May not be enough this year, though. They're, they got to do something in the tourney. There might be a few teams that have better resumes. And, yeah, mm-hmm. they they still do have the ACC tournament to continue to establish their case. But it, it's looking ugly. 
not looking good. Duke and Kentucky, they're safe. I think that they're going to make the tournament. They both are, have over 22 wins, I want to say. Yeah, they recovered the last month and a half of the season. I'll give them that. They, I was questioning them for a while. I know me and you both. A few episodes ago, we were questioning them, but they proved us wrong. I'll give them that. Not going to make it past the round of 64. I don't know. Depending on where they're seated, they could. Oh, that could be scary. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Duke, Duke will probably. I assume they get a four seed. Based on previous history for like Kansas, say we Kansas had a ten loss team. Actually, I don't even think they're ten losses. They're what? Let me take a look at there. I believe they were in ten or nine. Oh, they're an eight-loss team. But I know in years past, uh, you know, a team the, on caliber of Duke or KU that have eight losses, they're going to drop in the seeding, but it's usually no no, uh, no less than a fourth seed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that's probably where they'll be. Kentucky, they might get a eight or nine seed. Or no, no, no. They'll probably get... Five, six. Yeah, depending on how they do in that tourney. I say five or six E for them. Is the bracket out for that yet? No, it's it's all just purely speculation. Oh, I meant like the SEC tournament, ACC, all that stuff. Is that stuff set like the Big mm-hmm. 12? Yeah, it all should be. I haven't seen any of that yet. I know the SEC tournament and the ACC tournament are longer than the Big 12. So I believe they play till Sunday. Mm-hmm. And they have their pre-quarterfinals on Wednesday and then quarterfinals on Thursday. It'll be interesting. They do have to bolster their resume a little bit this year. Not something they're used to doing. Now we'll talk some KU. Everyone's favorite part. If you're a Jayhawk fan. And some Big 12 as well. We mentioned the Big 12 tournament. We're going to be there tomorrow night. We have Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. These are games we're going to be seeing, Ryan. Let's go. Should be some good ones. I got the KU uh, hockey jersey ready. I was going to say, what's what's going to be the fit, man? I don't know. I got to coordinate with Noelle, see what she's thinking. Well, Big Papa Fritz. I don't know. We'll probably end up matching on accident. I don't know how that always happens. but Going to do the, the pose. Oh, for sure. I'm going to be acting a fool up there. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So this is how the big, the rest of the Big 12 tournament is set up. You have number four seeded Baylor against number five Iowa State. Kansas, of course, gets the first round bye. Number two, Texas. Texas secured the number two spot after, K, after the win against KU and after Kansas State lost. Kansas State gets the three seed against the six seeded TCU Horn Frogs. Thursday is going to be interesting. Yeah, I can't wait for that game. I'm just the whole slate of games. It's going to be really interesting. Some good basketball. Baylor against Iowa State. I believe, I want to say Baylor should rebound, but then again, that's a rematch. Can Iowa State stay hot? I actually just had a buddy say that Iowa State's going to win it all in the Big 12. I don't know, man. Crazier things have happened. March is a crazy time. It doesn't matter how you've played the entire year. 
Kansas State and TCU. I want to see TCU upset them. I mean, I don't want to see K-State win. Yeah. You know, it's one of those. Now, the games we're going to attend tomorrow, do you think one of those four teams could potentially make a run to the championship? If you had a guess or pick. I don't know. Maybe Oklahoma State. I mean, I don't know. They're just so inconsistent. How's Bryce Thompson going to play? Is he going to play like he's playing KU? Or is he going to play like normal? I agree with you there. I'd say teams, two teams to watch out for. I say Oklahoma. I know. They got some hoopers, man. It's just a really, really, really tough schedule. No, absolutely. They're going to have a gauntlet. They'll have to go through Texas and then potentially, I'll say Kansas State just because they're the higher seed. They'll have to go through those two teams just to get to the championship. But, I mean, we've seen it. Oklahoma, they can rise to the occasion in big games like that. As of late, I like West Virginia, the way they've been playing to end the season. They played us tough in Lawrence, and then, of course, they just upset Kansas State. There are teams to watch out for. Yeah, they got a chip on their shoulder. They feel like they've been disrespected. I mean, they have been. I don't see too many of their players in the, the postseason awards. By the way, we'll highlight that real quick. So the Big 12 Player of the Year was announced. Another Kansas Jayhawk claims the award. Unanimous. Unanimous. Was Ochai unanimous? I'm not sure. I should probably know that, but I don't. can't remember if he was or not. But Jalen Wilson, national champion. The super senior, not a super senior, not in terms of the COVID eligibility rule, but he's our super senior. Unanimous Big 12 player of the year. Who would have thought when he was a freshman, broke his foot, that he'd get to this point? I didn't. His development's been interesting. He's been a fun player to watch the last two seasons. Last year, I could see that he had this potential from a scoring standpoint. And sometimes I would kind of think in the back of my mind that he was potentially our best player last year, like a un- really unsung hero. I know we had CB. I know we had Ochai. But there are times where Jalen Wilson was taking over, especially in March. Yeah. Couldn't have done it without him. Absolutely. A big absolutely. part of the comeback. DeWine Harris, Defensive Player of the Year. That was an interesting one. I don't I don't know who the other candidates were, but Dewan is definitely deserving. His ability to guard anybody, just about anybody, 94 feet, because he'll stay on you. And his on-ball defense out on the perimeter, it's excellent. His only downside is in the post, just because he's a smaller guy. Yeah, he's really lengthy, though, even off the ball. Just getting in there and disrupting plays and stuff. Getting in the passing lanes and everything. He, I I know we had Marcus Garrett recently as a part of the program. I think it's more impressive what DeWan Harris is doing, given the fact that he's 6'1". You know, Marcus Garrett was 6'5", and he was really lengthy. Yeah, he was. DeWan Harris doing what he's doing... At his size, I feel like it's a little bit more impressive than Marcus Garrett. And Marcus Garrett was a lockdown defender. DeWan, though, it it just seems somehow he always comes up with a loose ball. Yeah. 
a pokeball loose and he plays hard. He does. He he does play really hard. Definitely deserving. I'm happy for him. I know there there's a lot of times where I, I question him and I doubt him a lot. And I'm sure a lot of Jayhawk Nation does as well. He he stepped up this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does some questionable stuff sometimes. I don't think it's crazy to question him. I mean, if you watch the games, I mean, when we're bad, we're bad. But when we're great, we're great. I like it. KJ Adams wins the most improved player. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was very cool. He also got all Big 12 honorable mention. Playing out of position. Going from his minutes last year to now. Yeah, because he took over the essentially David McCormick's role as center when really he's technically a power forward. Yeah, practicing with the guards last year. Oh. Or wings, I think is what Bill said, but yeah, probably wings. basically the same thing. He probably would have been Jalen Wilson's position or Christian Brown's maybe. Something like that. But to see him... He's he's definitely improved. I think he's a player that's going to only continue to get better. If, if I'll tell you this, if he can develop a jump shot in the mid range, and really start to, he doesn't have to have, you know, like Kyrie Irving handles, but if he can develop some handles too, because he's quicker than a lot of big guys that he faces. If he can do a lot of dribble drive, action, and get some pick and pop and pull up in the mid range. I think he'll be a dangerous player next year. Yeah, we've seen that free throw line jumper a couple of times. He hits it more often than not. Yeah, I just think I think next year he'll get to see. We'll get them this off season. He'll be able to see what he can improve on, and I definitely think that's going to be the next expansion in his game. That and becoming more of a ball handler, especially in the post. He's he's quick and he uses his athleticism right now, but once he really starts to learn that and hone in on that, I think teams better watch out. Yeah, depending on who comes in, if he doesn't have to play the five either, either if he could play more like the three, four, something like that, that could be dangerous, especially with all the experience he has. Or when we play the small ball lineup, he could still play the five too. I like him in that. How we feel about Jerome Tang winning coach of the year? I don't understand it, but maybe I'm a hater. but. You're coming off a national championship win. You replaced 70% of your scoring. I think it was a little over 70%. And you still win the conference outright. You'd think in the toughest conference, and that's not just biased KU fan. I mean, that's what they were ranked. You'd think winning that would speak for something, but he's expected to win every year. So when he does, he it's just like, oh, whatever, give it to somebody else. Yeah, Bill Self, it's hard to not say he wasn't the best coach in the Big 12 this year. There was a deserving candidates, don't get me wrong. Scott Drew, he did a decent job with Baylor this year. I'll tell you, really, the Texas interim coach, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but dealing with the situation that was going on in Austin after Chris Beard was let go, look at how Texas still sustained that success. Yeah, I wouldn't have had a problem with that. I would have probably had him over Tang. I know Tang got the limelight in kind of the way Lance Leipold did. If you think about Kansas State basketball program, they're not, they never really, they've had some years where they've really impressed. 
it's usually once in a decade. Why are you going to make people mad about that? <laughs> but I'll give credit where credit is due. They have more than once in a decade. But usually I think of there were, there are a few times where they've won more than 25 games. But it, it's it's not very often. Yeah. So to get a guy like Jerome Tang come in, he was an assistant to the national champion Baylor Bears in 2021. You bring him in, the expectation starts to raise a little bit. They were picked to finish last. And like my comparison to Lance Leipold, Kansas football, of course, has been bad for years. We were picked to finish last again. No surprise, but we did a lot better. But I don't even think Lance Leipold got coach of the year in the Big 12 football. I can't remember. I don't believe he did. But That could be crazy. Jerome Tang, does he deserve it? Yes. He has a case for it. They had essentially a whole new starting five. I believe he brought in three or four transfers that were seniors, I want to say. So to be able to get those guys to buy in immediately, and then not only that, but to get those players to gel, they're, you know, they're being acquainted with each other and growing a relationship and growing chemistry. It's been impressive to see. It's cool to see K-State have a little success, and he's a good guy. I do like him. He's not, he's not annoying. He's not arrogant. You know, he, he's humble. He's realistic, and he knows how K-State fans can be insecure. I mean, I'm just stating the facts. Like, he he is genuinely a good coach. He's a good guy. Do I think he should have won the Big 12 Coach of the Year? I don't know. Technically, I guess you could put him over Bill Self. But again, it goes to the, we. he does so good every year, you know, Eventually, you're gonna have to pick someone else, and it's almost the LeBron James treatment. Think of how many years LeBron James should have won MVP. He's always in that conversation, but you know you gotta give it to somebody else at some point. I'm sure Patrick Mahomes is gonna get the same treatment at some point in his career. It was interesting though. And do you have the the All Big Twelve teams? No, I just had the Jayhawks stuff. Oh, okay. Well, what were the who were the Jayhawks that made the Big All Big Twelve teams? I know McCuller was... Jalen made first team. Dewan had honorable mention. KJ honorable mention. Grady Dick, uh, all Big 12 second team. Big 12 newcomer of the year and all freshman team. Kevin McCuller made third team. And second team all defensive. And I believe that's it for KU. I would have had Kevin McCuller first team all defense. You'd think so. If he was a finalist for defensive player of the year. Him and Dewan. Easily two of the best defenders in the Big 12 this season. Yeah, I don't even feel like that's biased. That's just fact. I mean, he, he was the Big 12 player of the year, what, last year with Texas Tech? Mm-hmm. So obviously he brings it on that end of the floor. Yeah, but it takes some of the comp- competition away when you get a play for Kansas and not against Kansas. It's one of those. Did you see Grady Dick's only seven three-pointers away from breaking the all-time freshman record at KU? I did not see that. That is interesting. How crazy is that? And you got to think, that's after having a second half of the season that was not good. Not very impressive. Definitely the month of February. His, his, month, his month of February was not good. That's where the Big 12 is, though. going to be an interesting week. 
I'm excited to see. I feel like anything can happen. I don't I don't think KU wins the Big 12 tournament. I don't think that that's like a it's not a given. I mean, especially if we have to play Baylor. That'd be t- I mean, I guess we got to win our first game first. It's tough to play a team no matter what we're playing a team 3 times. But with all that stuff going on with Texas Tech, I don't know how good they're going to do is that too much off the court stuff. Did you hear about that stuff? I did not. That's news to me. Yeah, I don't even know dude's name, the head coach. So he got in trouble, I think it was October or something. I guess someone said he spit on them, a player. So then in his little presser thing to address it, he said he had like a cold. So he had a real runny nose and like coughing and stuff. So then a player said that he was saying racist stuff about like servant and master. So then when he had his little defense press or whatever you call it he said he was quoting scripture but apparently enough people spoke out against it so i don't know how they're gonna be able to deal with that like this late in the season like how do you do that kind of feel bad for him because i feel like they had potential to upset some people but is that too much to overcome now i don't know they had some moments in the month of february those are some heavy accusations though definitely don't want to take that lightly Especially when he goes into the pressers and stuff, and he's like, "No, nah, I was quoting scripture." Well, like enough people spoke out against it, buddy. I mean, I wonder from the players' perspective how they would feel or how they feel about all of it. Well, if your white coach is a bigot, probably they probably don't feel very good. How many players did they have transfer last year? Quite a bit. Makes you wonder. Yeah, Kevin Kohler being one of them. I mean, cause spitting on people. I mean, because if somebody's just like sick or something and spits when they talk, you know, that's one thing, but it's like cover your mouth. Exactly. But for a player to say he spit on them. And then also I was reading the article, someone close to the situation said that he was quoted saying, I can spit on whoever I want to. So that's also kind of weird. Because who would just make that stuff up? That is surprising, you know. Is I'm he getting used as a scapegoat because they kind of underachieved this season? Some people may not think that's surprising, but the way he, when he came in after Chris Beard left, all of Lubbock hated Chris Beard at that point because they were in the national championship game not too long ago. Texas Tech was moving in the right direction, and then he jumps ship and goes to Texas, the bigger Texas school. You know, this, I can't, what's the guy's name? No, I don't even know. He's an older guy, though. And he had success in his first season. And a lot of people liked him. And he was, there were positive words spoken about him. So this is, it's a little surprising. I'm sure people close to the program, though, they may have other opinions. That is interesting, though. That's something to keep in mind, definitely this week. And especially, they're more than likely going to miss the tournament, though. It makes me mad I can't remember. Mark Adams. Mark Adams. Okay, yeah, I remember his name now. I mean, but even the school said inappropriate, unacceptable, and racially insensitive comment. If you were quoting scripture, dog, how do you get that confused? You couldn't get those two confused. I don't think that's in the Bible. No. It's nothing about being a hillbilly in the Bible. <laughs> Dude, spitting on people, being crazy. I don't know. I mean, we've seen... These institutions will do anything they can to stand by their coach. I mean, if they're even saying, I mean, he might not get another job again. I mean, I'm sure they'll do their investigation and stuff, but it's kind of a big no-no. Yeah. 
He, I mean, he's an old guy. He probably on his last coaching leg anyway. Yeah. That, that's unacceptable, though. That is. I did not know that. It's weird. I'm sure there's going to be more news about it. We'll keep you all updated. To stay on Big 12 before we move on to the NBA, I don't know if you've seen this, Ryan. And there was talks about it last year during football season, of course, just because the whole college football realignment, there was heavy talks of that prior to the 2022 season. Now talks are starting to pick back up. So we already know that the Big 12 is adding UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU in the, during this, this coming season for football. I believe basketball next year, too. It should be every athletic athletic department, I believe. Uh, do we have two other teams joining the year after that? So that's what I'm hinting at. Oh, my bad. So last fall, there was talks that the Pac-12 was going to blow up. And it's basically because USC and UCLA are leaving. That's the Pac-12's money. That's their bread and butter. Essentially, the way Texas and Oklahoma are to the Big 12, except the Big 12 is going to survive because you, Texas and Oklahoma, they're prominent names, but in recent history, they haven't really amounted to much in the football realm or the basketball realm. So the Pac-12 teams that aren't traditional powerhouses are looking at jumping ship. And they might come to the Big 12. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 have been in talks twice now within, you know, the probably the past six months, maybe even more. Teams that could potentially come to the Big 12, a reunion with Colorado. I think that'd be big because for the football aspect, because think of who's the head football coach now, Deion Sanders. That'd be an added factor to the Big 12 football scene. The Utah Utes. They're a pretty good football program. They were just in the Rose Bowl the past two seasons. Their basketball program is not, they're not really known for their basketball program. Arizona. Arizona is known for their basketball program. That would be awesome. Think of a conference with Arizona and KU, basketball-wise. And then Arizona State would also follow Arizona. So we may potentially get those four teams. And then the Big 12 would be... What would it, 16 teams. Yeah. So we have two guaranteed leaving, right? Texas, Oklahoma? Yes. They will be leaving, I want to say either this year or the 2024. But we go from 10 teams to losing those to gaining four and then to gaining four more. I think it'd be fun. 16-team conference for the Big 12? Sign me up. Think of the conference tournaments. Dude, I'm here for it. I'm all here for it. Those are good additions, too. Utah on football. Arizona is not very good in football. They're okay. Arizona State's not very good in football, but a West Coast team, I mean, it's good to have. You keep the rivalry with Arizona as well. Colorado, they could potentially improve in football, but they were a former member of the Big 12 and I believe the Big 8, right? I believe so. So you have that added factor into it. It makes sense. I like it. I like it a lot. It's always cool to shake things up. I don't know what the divisions would look like. You may have one entire Texas conference with Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, and Houston. But then 
Oklahoma State's kind of also in the south too, around that area. So, like, who do you add and where? UCF, West Virginia, and Cincinnati. I think that they would have a conference, just given that they're on the more eastern side of the United States. Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State. You're more than likely going to try to keep them together, and probably even Colorado. And then Utah, BYU, Arizona, and Arizona State more than likely get like a west side of a conference. It'll be interesting. Um, I'm Like you said, I'm all here for it. 16-team conference. Then you're competing with the Big Ten and the SEC. I think it'd be awesome. Even the ACC. The ACC has a lot of teams in it now. Oh, yeah, they do. Be something to watch. We'll keep you guys updated on it. But now we're going to get into the NBA Power Rankings, Week 19 edition. The Milwaukee Bucks continue to hold down the top spot in the NBA. What are they now, on a 17-game win streak? Oh, no, they got beat by the Sixers the other day. Oh, Snapped okay. it, and beat went crazy. No surprise there. What is their record now, actually? Uh, 46 and 18. So they did rebound, though. They, they won the other night. 9-1 in their last 10 games after going on a 16-game win streak. Yeah, I'm not really a Bucks fan, but like with all the injuries they've had to deal with, I'd say that's really impressive. Mike, Mike Bulldozer, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's a very underrated coach. I like him. Denver Nuggets move up to number two. After months of being at number three, they move up to number two. Boston Celtics, my Boston Celtics. They're on a skid right now, man. I wasn't going to bring it up. I didn't want to hurt your feeling. Uh, it's okay. You got to be real. You got to be real. Three-game losing streak against three playoff teams. Not, oh, well. Brooklyn, yet to be determined. But that that game was ugly. That game was, how do you have a 28-point lead and blow it? Against a team full of, like, second options, second and third options. Yeah, I think that's why they lost. It's just like there's nobody to be scared of, nobody to really prepare for. Just kind of like we should win that game, you know. That's their mindset, and then it looked easy in the first quarter. The way they were playing, it didn't even look like they were trying, and they were winning convincingly. Yeah, I, I don't know if they got complacent. It was it doesn't make sense, and then they lose to Cleveland and New York. It's it's a tough three game stretch. They fall to number three, and deservingly so. I know I was wrong about the Cavs and the Knicks, but how crazy the Knicks on a nine game win streak. I wouldn't have expected them to be this hot late in the season. Neither would I. At all. They're actually They've actually moved up to number five in the Eastern Conference and they're right on the heels of the Cleveland Cavaliers for the fourth seed. Number four in the power rankings is Philly. Makes sense. I agree with that there. Speaking of the Knicks, New York Knicks round off the top five. They're, te- they're technically the hottest team in basketball right now. Yeah, they deserve it. After the Bucks loss. Number six is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Number seven, the Phoenix Suns. They're playing some inspired basketball behind Devin Booker. Mm. <laughs> that dude. That, that Luka and... and Book interaction was one of the softest things I've ever seen. It's awkward. It was very awkward. They they kind of 
run over and just kind of grab each other's arms and, and I'm like, what even is that? That's girly. It was girly. Like, just get get off the court. You lost. And again, though, it would make me mad, you know, they finally beat you and now they're talking trash with three seconds left. I know Luca talked about it after the game. That's why I can't stand Devin Booker. That I'll never take him serious because of reasons like that. No, I'm, I mean, you have KD now. I mean, you're playing with two Hall of Famers already. Like, it's not very hard to win. Oh, he said Can they stay healthy, though? He said it's not a super team, too. I don't know how. Like, I know Chris Paul's not having his best season. Like, he's fell off a bit. But you still have DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, KD. Monty Williams is a damn good coach, too. How much coaching do you think goes into that? Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and KD. He, he's he's had a he's he's a credible coach. He think about the bubble year, how they were playing. Remember, they went undefeated, and then still missed the playoffs. Right? Yeah, that's tough. No, he he's a good coach. I know they have a lot of good players, and usually in situations like that, the coach essentially just pushes the basketball card out and says, "Go play." But no, I think I give Monty Williams credit. Dealing with all those personalities, yeah, I'd probably give him some credit because we know those dudes and their history. Number eight, Sacramento Kings. They're one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now. They are actually the number three seed in the Western Conference. Could move up to two tonight. I I was wrong about them too. Who would have thought? I think everyone was wrong about them. I don't know if that makes me a casual or not, but God, like 38 and 26. They, they have talent and they've had talent. I don't know what's changed this year because it's relatively the same starting five. Yeah. You know, De'Aaron Fox, Mark, or not Mark, um, Sabonis. Those are the two main guys. Those games come on too late for me to watch. Harrison Barnes is still on their team. That dude. Who's their two guard? I feel like a casual now. People are probably going to listen to this and be like, yeah, that's why you guys you guys slept on Sacramento. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I didn't see one preseason poll or anything like that where the Kings were. I don't even think they were projected to be a playoff team. No. Number I, and think of how weird that's gonna be because they haven't made the playoffs in decades, correct? Did they make it with Demarcus Cousins once? No, no. no. I don't know when it was then. And then out of nowhere for them to get the two seed, but then again, I feel like they're a team. I don't know how serious you can take them because think about in a year like this, they're the number. They potentially could be the number two seed. Memphis Warriors are slipping up. Because of John Morant, Dallas, they they have a decent roster, and Kyrie and Luca are finally starting to really gel. Minnesota is in the playoffs, but or in the playoff picture, but that's not a team you take serious. Golden State's been banged up. Phoenix has been weird this year, pre Kevin Durant. Um, the Clippers. I mean, you have the whole thing with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard missing time. The Lakers, they 
have they've been inconsistent. The Pelicans at one point were a top seed in the West, and then they fell off because of all their injuries. So I, I just don't know. I feel like they've made the most of their situation, and obviously you have to play who's in front of you. But I feel like this year is kind of it's just an odd year for the Western Conference. I'll say that. Yeah, it is. But I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due. I'm rooting for them. I hope they get the second seed. Memphis. I mean, it's this late in the season, and the 13 seed still has a chance to make the playoff. Like, how crazy is that? Like, I know the play-in kind of expanded that a little bit. But, I mean, there's not a large gap. No, not at all. What, like eight eight or nine games between the second and the 13? And that's kind of crazy. Number nine, Memphis. Memphis was... Yeah, They've never been the sweethearts of the NBA. I was gonna say, they've they've been around the top five most of the season. Now they're on the verge of falling out of the top ten, according to the NBA. Some people may disagree, but it's an interesting situation to say the least. Yeah. Number ten, the Golden State Warriors move up into the power rankings. They finally got Steph back. He was hooping. I watched that game. They are six and four in their last ten games. They they have an opportunity to get right. Honestly, as I mentioned, Memphis is sliding. Sacramento, do you really take them serious? Phoenix, they still have to they still have to gel, but the talent is there. If they can stay healthy. Golden State has an opportunity to get back to being a top seed in the West. Yeah, they do, especially if they can get Wiggins back. That'd be huge. Their young guys are playing really well too. After stretches of you some really questionable basketball without Steph Curry. Clay yeah, Thompson's getting back, not necessarily to his old self, but he's playing really good basketball this season and in this new calendar year. 2023 is what I mean. The early portion of the season, he was playing okay, but now he's, he's played really well in that Steph Curry's absence. Now, you wanted to say... You wanted to highlight the playing term in the Western Conference. You kind of alluded to it a few minutes ago, but you said it. we've highlighted it a few times in previous episodes about just how tight that playoff race, but give us a little update, Ryan. The 9 to the 13, there's only, what, a game and a half difference? Thunder's 30 and 34, and the Pelicans are 31 and 34. And Jazz, Trailblazers, and Lakers. All 31 and 34. The Lakers play tonight. They play the Grizzlies. So you'd think that should be an easy Lakers win. Then Jazz and Mavs play tonight. Some good ones. Starting to get really entertaining. Oh, Playing harder. I wonder, from a front office perspective, those teams that say the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Thunder, Portland, and Utah. Technically, those teams are still fighting to get into the playoffs if the playing tournament wasn't there. Now that the playing tournament is implemented, I wonder from a front office perspective, how long do you try to fight for the playoffs? And when do you kind of say, basically take the season in and say, hey, let's prepare for the draft. And try to focus on draft position. I don't know. It's tough. 
this this year is going to be different because it's think it's just how close it is. As you mentioned, nine through nine through thirteen is separated by a game and a half. <laughs> those those G, those general managers are going to have some tough decisions to make. Yeah, and then OKC has Chet coming next year, plus more draft picks. They have crazy draft picks in the next few years. I'm curious to see if they try and move anybody this offseason. I know they've had a lot of players play well. It's just trying to get free agents to come to OKC. It's tough. I forgot to almost mention the players of the week. In week 20. Devin Booker for the Phoenix Sun. 36 points per game, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. The Suns were 3-0 and during that stretch. On the Eastern Conference, how about this? Julius Randle. 29 points per game, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Knicks were 4-0 and last week. Yeah, he's going crazy. It's weird how he was kind of like, didn't he have a knee injury a couple years ago? And then it was just kind of like bouncing from team to team almost and then went to the Knicks and just found his place. The first season they were like, well, he's taking the most shots on the team, so he's going to score the most points. And then he just continues to play well. Because he was one of the players that got traded to New Orleans, right? I believe so. That's right, yeah. He went from New Orleans to New York. He's he's a a weird player in a weird situation. Yeah, like a not really big enough to play the five, kinda like a four. Still kinda small though, but then developed a shot and it was like it just kinda opened things up. But then do you consider him a superstar or no. a star? I don't know though. He's on. That's what I'm saying. It's a he I mean, is the hottest team in the NBA right now. What'd you say? The fourth or fifth seed, right behind the Cavs. Fifth seed, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to sound like a hater. I mean, I feel like when you think superstars in the NBA, he doesn't pop in your mind. But I know. I mean, he's balling out though. Yeah. No, I agree. He is. Are the Knicks actually a threat to Boston or Milwaukee? They can win a game in the playoffs. Do you think anybody could beat Milwaukee or Boston? Do you think it's between those two? The way Boston's playing, yeah. <laughs> Dang. Milwaukee, Milwaukee's had basically the same roster since their 21 championship team, same coach. They have continuity. They're always going to be a dangerous team with Giannis because it depends if they're fully healthy. And if Chris Middleton can come back, they are going to be tough. Boston has all the talent. They have one of the most, they have arguably the best three-point shooting team in the league this year. One of the best offenses, but they they don't have the same defense as Milwaukee. Can New York upset either one? I don't, uh, I don't think so. I think they'd make the series interesting for a few games. I would hope so. It's going to be exciting. I'll say that, yeah. Now, before we move along, further into this episode the John Morant situation got even more interesting today so the NBA is continuing to move along in its investigation of the situation there was a report that according to the NBA's guidelines about carrying firearms if you carry it with the team on the plane or bus or anything like that anything in that capacity automatic 50 game suspension the NBA right now is trying to to determine 
if John Morant had that firearm the entire time while the Memphis Grizzlies were traveling. At that time, it was in Denver. I don't know the the Second Amendment laws in Denver or in Colorado. Can an out-of-state person buy a firearm the same day? I guess the difficulty would be, you know, he could just say he got it from a friend in Colorado or it wasn't his gun. It was one of his friends or something. That's what I'm wondering. It could, I mean, there's the chance it could have been someone at the clubs, people he was with. It could have been theirs. I'm sure they'll take the fall for it. If anything, they're not going to let John Moran go down. This is, he's a frustrating player. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just weird to speak on it because this happened before the apology. So then it's just, I don't know. I guess we just have to wait and see how everything turns out and if he turns it around or not. And then the news that the Stephen Adams held a players only, or was one of the main guys to hold the player only meeting before that happened. Specifically saying that when the Memphis Grizzlies go on the road, they need to kind of cut back on going out. And we know who he was talking about. Because I think they have the second worst road record in the NBA or something like that. I think the Warriors have the worst. Warriors do have the worst. The Memphis Grizzlies on the road. I can look at it. I think they've only won seven games on the road. 12 and 20. That's wrong. I mean, you're off by five, but still not good. Yeah, not at all. Got to play on the road to win in the playoffs. Yeah. That's just frustrating. Steven Adams is an established veteran. He's a good guy. He's been around great players. He knows what it takes to win. He's never won a championship, but he knows what it takes to win. He's always played his part. He he knows his role. He's like a walking double-double when he's healthy. He's a, he's a great professional. He's one of the best professional players from a I say that from like a professional standpoint. He carries himself well in the NBA. He's respected. Yeah. I mean, if they have compilation videos about your great sportsmanship, I mean, that's a pretty good sign. Because <laughs> you're always on camera everywhere. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. That's funny. I remember all the Draymond stuff. He never retaliated. You see dirty hits on him. He never retaliates. Yeah, no, that's true. Always nice to the media. Just kind of a big, just kind of goofy, fun, nice guy. Someone you would look up to. I don't know how that hasn't rubbed off on guys like Dylan Brooks or John Morant. I don't understand it. You know, is it just what he's saying going in one ear, one in ear out the other? I think it's just one of those things when you're the best player on your team. It's kind of sometimes it's hard for you to be able to humble yourself enough to you know, take advice from other people because they've never been in the same position as you. You're the best, one of the best players in the NBA. But then you have some dude, you know, some people just don't look at it that way. They're like, well, I'm the superstar. You're not. Why should I listen to you? You've never been in this position. I mean, he's not wrong. I'm I'm sure that's exactly what he's thinking or what he's thought. Mm -hmm. I think you're right on target with it. You have to respect your, your bets, though. Yeah, you would think. He's the biggest story in the NBA right now. If he gets 50 games, Memphis is done. They're first, a first-round exit. I think they have 18 or 19 games left, and then he'd miss almost half the season next year. 
And it's like, is he going to lose the locker room for this? It'll be a quarter, but yeah. What? 30 games? Yeah. Almost, I don't know. I'm not very good at math, but... He could lose the locker room, though. He's supposed to be a leader. Yeah. Also, how are they going to move free agents there? If they know that there's this off-the-court trouble stuff. Because that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to bring in somebody eventually. And Memphis isn't known for bringing in free agents either. There's probably some guys that would want to play with them, though, that are probably hesitant now. That's yeah. a good point. It's going, to, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of this. The yeah, he's still a young dude. Hopefully he pulls his head out of you know where. Just gets his act together because he has, I mean, Powerade. Nike signature shoe, $230 million contract when he's 23 or 24. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. As with the salary cap going up and up, dude. Oh, and he could potentially get at least one more big payday in his career, too, if things go well. It's bonehead, boneheaded mistake, man. We'll leave off there for the NBA. We'll close out episode 44 with some NFL talk. I'm excited about it because this is the time of the year where you get all the, kind of sounds girly saying this, but the juicy gossip. All the tea. All the tea, all the rumors circling, uh, circulating around NFL, the combine, preparing for the NFL draft, all the general managers. They essentially are gossiping at the combine. Yeah. Some of the biggest stories, or I guess rumors, that came out of this past weekend. I'll highlight them pretty quick. Jalen Ramsey, his buzz going to the Cowboys. The Los Angeles Rams are looking to move on from his contract. Dallas, I don't know, they, their salary cap situation, I don't know if they'd be able to afford him. He'd probably have to do a brand new deal if he gets released by the Rams, but pairing him with... Trayvon Diggs, but then you also have to pay Trayvon Diggs. I don't know how it would work. Yeah. That would be a good one-two at cornerback position. The Chargers are looking to move on from Khalil Mack just after bringing him in last season. They spent all that money, and now they're ready to move on from him. Patrick Mahomes is ruining the AFC, man. He is, because now the Chargers are going to have to prepare to pay Justin Herbert. You thought it was a good move to bring in Khalil Mack while Herbert's still on his rookie deal. In hindsight, it is. It, w- it was good to take advantage of that. Khalil Mack had a decent season. He wasn't bad. I really don't know why they're trying to move on from him. I think they should. I would keep him. Until his play significantly regressed, that's when you would. Like Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, as good as he is, I still think he has some left in the tank. He's been injury prone. Yeah. He's another player that they're looking to move on from. This one, this next one, I don't know if you've seen it. It was a shock to me because he is the, he's undoubtedly, undoubtedly the centerpiece of this team. The Titans were looking to shop Derrick Henry. Arguably one of the best running backs in the league. He is their, their entire offense. And they're looking to shop him. They don't even have a quarterback. They don't have any receivers. Why would you shop your best player? 
I mean, I don't know. We also don't know what happened behind closed doors. Maybe they're also trying to just, you know, do the right thing and let him go. Some NFL teams will do that. I know his contract is it's up there. Him and Christian McCaffrey, I believe, have the two priciest contracts from the running back market. Obviously, Tennessee is going to be rebuilding. I just think if you're into a rebuild, wouldn't you want your best offensive weapon? I don't know. It's tough because it's. I mean, what do you do? I also saw that the Cleveland Browns were potentially going to shop Nick Chubb and move on from Kareem Hunt. They're going to let Kareem Hunt walk. He's a free agent. But moving on from Nick Chubb. So the running back room is going to, it's might be some shuffling around this season. Josh Jacobs, he's, he just got franchise tagged after being the leading rusher in the NFL last season. Doesn't make sense. I don't know. I know teams, they value running backs differently nowadays given that it's a pass-heavy league and traditionally running backs kind of fall off a cliff after 30. I don't know. Those guys are elite, and they still have a lot to give. And Do you see the Giants uh, franchise tag on Saquon earlier? I didn't see that. Yeah, it was like right before I got here. They signed Daniel Jones to the 40-year 160 mil. What is it? I don't care if this makes me casual. What's the difference between a franchise tag and a non-exclusive franchise tag? I, I can't ex- be the only one who doesn't know that. I'm sure you do, but you're not. You're not the only one. I kind of questioned it too. I actually learned today because of the whole Lamar Jackson situation. So the non-exclusive essentially means that player is free to get interest from other teams and field offers. But, the, for example, the Ravens then have the opportunity to match that offer or better it. And then franchise tag is when a player's contract is nearing its end and you can place it on them. You can place the franchise tag on them. And normally teams do that when they don't have a long-term deal in place. So this just buys them an extra year, but you have to pay a fully guaranteed contract. So, for example, Orlando Brown, we franchise tagged him last year, and it was worth $20 million. So he got $20 million guaranteed, and now this year they didn't franchise tag him, which was news today. So that was one. Daniel Jones gets $40 million a season. $40 million a season for average quarterback play. He's an athlete. Not a good thrower. He's an athlete, though. Kind of the same category Lamar Jackson falls into, but at least Lamar Jackson has an MVP and has been to the bro. Daniel Jones has been to the playoffs and has won now, too. But I don't know. The quarterback market's weird now. Ever since the Deshaun Watson contract, Russell Wilson's contract, some of these guys shouldn't be getting paid anywhere close to $40 million. I I see why. They want to be, given that those other guys are getting it and they haven't really produced. It's it's weird. Derek Carr signed with the Saints. I, that situation's funny because the Raiders were actually trying to trade him to the Saints, but they wanted compensation for him. Derek Carr essentially said, screw you. I'm out. I'll go sign with them. 
<laughs> He's legendary for that. That that is pretty funny. Stuck it to Mark Davis. I like that. That was pretty funny. And as I mentioned, Lamar Jackson got the non-exclusive tag that you were referring to, Ryan. He his contract is going to be interesting. I've said it before, and people probably think I'm a hater. I don't think he deserves $40 million. I know he has the MVP, but now that Daniel Jones got the $40 million a year, it's hard to not give him it. It put That put the Ravens in a difficult spot. Yeah, it did. It's just the Ravens are not really known for paying like offensive players. But then it's like, you know, your agents, your mom, you miss, what, f- 10 games the last two seasons? Wasn't it like the last five games of each season? His completion percentage dropped. His passing yards have fallen. His passing touchdowns have fallen. He's turned the ball over more. I I think, like I, like I said, I if I'm an organization, if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, I'll explore other options and try to shop him to get compensation back. You're not letting him walk for nothing. I would get compensation back. He is a talented player. He's one of the the best players in the NFL. He's not one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, but, you know. I think both can be true. If we can't, as a franchise, if we can't rely on you to play a full season or near a full season, how do you expect to get that much money, though? I mean, I know he's done some wild stuff. I'm not hating on him. I think he's a cool dude. But, I mean, like you said, when... I think Daniel Jones got that contract because his play stepped up this year. Now they were running the ball more, so maybe you can say like he didn't have to pass the ball as much. He did do it with a pretty crappy supporting cast too. Yeah. But also, have the Ravens done enough to help Lamar get talent? I've seen those arguments, and they brought in some receivers, and then some of those receivers had injuries. So it's just a team that normally pays money on defense why wouldn't you pay Lamar when it's so hard to get a reliable quarterback nowadays yeah I just I think I'm probably in a boat of my own I think even if you pair Lamar Jackson with Tyreek Hill with Cooper Cup with AJ Brown Debo Samuel any top receiver I don't think I don't think he makes those guys better I I don't I don't people are gonna think I'm a hater, this and that. I just Lamar Jackson just he's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He's not what everybody makes him out to be from a passing perspective. It's a polarizing topic. It is. It is. It's a, it's 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 a case study, essentially. It really is for the quarterback market. Patrick Mahomes set the bar so high that everybody has to meet that financially. If you have an average season from a quarter, or if you have a solid season from a quarterback perspective, Daniel Jones had a solid season. He gets rewarded with that. But then you have guys like Lamar that have, have won an MVP or Derek Carr. Derek Carr has been above average. And he, he you know, he gets $38 million. It, it makes it very difficult. You know, and then another guy, Aaron Rodgers, he's also set the bar pretty high. You know, he won back-to-back MVPs, and he's getting paid $50 million. Like Him and Patrick Mahomes set the bar very high with their contracts and their play. That all the, the rest of these teams, it leaves them scrambling around. 
figuring out how to pay these guys. Yeah. I think Patrick Mahomes also kind of put people in a difficult position because look at the his season with the wide receiver court he had. I know he has Kelsey, but still, I mean, I think that put people in an awkward position too because, well, Patrick won with these guys. Why can't you? No legitimate number one receiver. Spread it out to everybody. Literally everybody. All the receivers is running backs, backup tight ends. He made it work. I, I just don't know. It, it, like, like I've said, I've said it a few times just now, but he, he set the bar so high from quarterback play. All these other guys, they, they just don't compare. He broke the league. He did break the league. It's awesome. How awesome is it as a Chiefs fan? We're not the dumpster fire. It is pretty good. To, it's a good feeling to say that. Now, one last. This isn't a rumor. Or it is a rumor. Aaron Rodgers is talking to the Jets. I believe a few weeks back. I want to say maybe episode 41 or episode 40. We actually kind of discussed this about what its potential future could be. And I did mention the Jets. And I said the Jets are probably the ideal landing spot for him, given that they have some young talent on offense. Nathaniel Hackett was his offensive coordinator during his MVP seasons, and they have probably a top 10 defense in the NFL. Kind of a shaky conference a little bit. Buffalo's the top top dog in that conference right now, but Miami, I feel like they're kind of on the verge. They're just not there yet. And then, oh. I'm drawing a blank. Who else? The Patriots. The Patriots are probably at the bottom. Yeah, depending on what happens with the Tua situation. I feel like with the right quarterback, the Jets could make the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers could do that. He doesn't have to be MVP Aaron Rodgers. He could just play better than he did last year. I feel like that's a real, realistic possibility. I don't think that's too big of a rumor. I think that's pretty pretty accurate well the possible teams list is definitely getting shorter he, he'll he be the next big domino to fall and i was going to say Derek Carr was a big domino to fall and so was daniel jones i think teams around the league were waiting to see where where Derek Carr would sign to and i think teams were waiting to see if daniel jones would become available and now the next biggest one is going to be the lamar jackson's contract situation if the Ravens decide to move on from him and deal him, and then he, him and Aaron Rodgers are basically the big, the two biggest dominoes in the quarterback market to fall next. It's going to be interesting to see. Did you see Geno Smith's contract today? I did $37 million. Again, one good season now in the NFL can get you paid. Yeah. I don't agree with it. Geno's a good guy. He's a decent quarterback, but he's been a backup a majority of his career. Yeah, it's a cool story. I don't know if it's a good business move. He he's he's a Segway quarterback. You know he he's a Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a Alex Smith. He's a guy that can win you games, but he's part of a transition period where maybe you draft a young guy and develop him. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to happen. Maybe the Seahawks draft a guy, not in the first round, but they'll probably draft a quarterback within this year or next year. Because realistically, how is Geno going to sustain that play? Probably not. No. 
I mean, if he can stay healthy, but that's one of his biggest issues, too. He takes one hard hit and he misses 10 games. That's how I go. Now, now that we've kind of recapped some of the rumors that have circulated through the NFL this past week, some of the combine highlights, I'm not going to, there's, I mean, there's over 200 players. I'm not going to highlight a lot. One of the, one that comes to mind, that, did you see the dude from Ohio State, offensive lineman? He was a tackle, 6'8", 370-something pounds, ran a 5'1", in the 40. Oof. That is moving. That's, that's essentially comparable to, you know, a, a guy that's 5'10", 190 pounds, running a 4'3", low 4'3", 4'2". That, that's an athlete. It's crazy. We're not even seeing like giant numbers change like every couple years now, every five years. It's every year the numbers are getting better and better, faster, stronger, quicker. It's crazy. I know that doesn't necessarily translate to a good career all the time, but how cool could the NFL be in five years if it keeps doing that? These athletes are going to continue to evolve for sure. Now, another highlight. I think this guy stole the show at the combine. Anthony Richardson of Florida. Yeah. Like a 40-inch vert. 40-inch vertical. Great broad jump. 4-4-40. Threw the deep ball exceptionally well. Everyone already knows about his arm. The issue with him is his decision-making. He had a terrible completion percentage at Florida. Never really had success at Florida. I feel like a lot of these GMs are kind of throwing his Florida career out the window and it's all potential. It it is all potential at this point. Which I kind of wanted to ask you, man. I'll save this question for towards the end. Oh, I'm terrible at this. Because you were not high on arguably the best quarterback in this class. So I have a question for you. Now that you've seen Anthony Richardson at the combine, We've seen this other guy have success. Putting them against each other, who would you rather have? Anthony Richardson or Bryce Young? I don't know. I feel like the tough thing is with a lot of these elite like college teams, the talent disparity is so large. I think that's why sometimes it doesn't transfer to the NFL. Because you might play one D-back on a team, maybe two that are going to be guaranteed NFL people, NFL players, whatever. But in the NFL, they're all NFL players. Also, 5'10", though. I'm not saying he won't be successful. Wasn't it like 5'10", 5'10 without shoes? Yeah. I don't know, man. That's just... He, I mean... Oh. Heisman Trophy winner, great career at Alabama. Every quarterback has a great career at Alabama, but he's different. I, I do believe he's different than Mac Jones, yeah, than A.J. McCarron, than... Greg McElroy, guys like that that had great careers but didn't pan out in the NFL. Mac Jones, still, I mean, he's still an NFL quarterback, but he he put up crazy numbers at Alabama, but now he's just an average quarterback in the NFL. Bryce Young's better than him. I I can understand from a GM perspective of wanting, you're, you're probably kind of salivating over Anthony Richardson right now. Big arm, great athlete. Six six five six four six five two hundred forty pounds, built like Josh Allen, like Cam Newton, 
but more athletic than both of those guys, it's tempting. It's very tempting to put him over other quarterbacks in this class. But I think of it from a production standpoint. Bryce Young won the Heisman for a reason. It wasn't, you know, a crazy season like Johnny Manziel where he was doing all these unscripted plays and was all over the place. I don't know. It's weird to describe. Bryce Young isn't like Johnny Manziel or he's not like the typical Heisman quarterback that flops in the NFL. He's intelligent. He He's smart. He's savvy in the pocket. He has good awareness. That and he has a good arm too. And I don't know. It's, it's tough to say because he's so small. 5'10", just weighed in a little bit over 200. I believe he's 204 pounds. Where is he projected to go right now? Number one. Or, with, or within the top five. I'm wondering if his size scares some people off and then he slides a little bit. Yeah, I think as a GM, it's one of those situations. If you don't draft him and he's good, you could lose your job. But if you draft him and he's bad, you could lose your job too. So it's kind of a scary situation. Bryce Young, in order for him to have success in the NFL, needs to have a good offensive line. I think he is smart enough to pick up a playbook pretty quickly. Given that, I mean, he had success at Alabama. That's essentially an NFL team. Anthony Richardson has to have a great coaching staff to really teach him. I'm not saying he's dumb. I'm sure he can learn. I'm sure he's a smart guy. But, I mean, look at it, his efficiency. Obviously, he has to learn how to read a defense better. He has to take care of the football more. And he has to be more accurate. Yeah, I know the SEC is really strong, but outside of the top two or three teams, it's just like, I think that's a difference. Like you said, Alabama's like an NFL team. They're just different. I know Georgia's been pretty dominant the last couple of years. They've definitely, definitely turned that program around, but I think that talent disparity is just sometimes just different. I think sometimes it's just too big for them to overcome. I mean, I agree. Obviously, he's smart. No one can play QB at that level without being intelligent. but. I'm not rooting against the dude. I hope he plays well, just not as good as Mahomes. But it'd be cool if he could. I know he'd prove a lot of people wrong. Because I know that's the first thing anyone talks about, like on ESPN. You know, his draft card, everything, his height. It's always underlined. Both of them, they're both going to enter the NFL with a chip on their shoulder, I believe. They're going to have something to prove. I don't know. I honestly don't know who I'd pick. Yeah, team short guy. I hope he does well. I agree. Now, to round off this 44th episode, we're going to talk a little bit of Chiefs. And to kind of quickly recap what's gone on in Chiefs' kingdom, bittersweet moment. Chiefs cut Frank Clark. I think it was a foregone conclusion. There was talks about it happening last year. Just given his contract, it was too expensive. He wasn't living up to that contract. This season, he had a high cap hit. I believe it was $28 million. So that by cutting him right now, we saved $21 million, which puts us in a pretty good position salary cap-wise. I believe we're eight in the league right now. So a little bit of wiggle room to potentially extend guys like Chris Jones or LeJerry Sneed or hopefully Orlando Brown Jr. 
Orlando Brown Jr. is now the biggest talk around town. The Chiefs didn't franchise tag him, which essentially means he could potentially walk. A lot of people around Chiefs Kingdom believe that the Chiefs are prepared to move on from him if that price isn't right. Brett Veach, I think he named a number last year, and I don't think he's moving from it. I don't think Orlando Brown Jr. has, or he might, he has an agent now. I don't think he, originally he didn't have an agent, or he fired them. It's an interesting situation, which kind of ties into the segment, or not really a segment, but a topic we had last week. Last week we talked about the number one priority for the Chiefs, and we both agreed that it was defensive line. Now, this week, the second top priority, I'm saying it's the offensive line. I say it's the offensive line because you're more than likely going to have to move on from Andrew Wiley. We talked about it, that there's possibly better options out there than him. I didn't know, but they're going to have to look at extending Joe Tooney at some point. I believe he's nearing next year. He'll be due for an extension. Creed Humphrey's going to be due for an extension next year. I think Trey Smith may be even due for an extension next year. So this great offensive line that we have right now, we have to be able to sustain it. And you could do that by extending some of these guys or building through the draft. Of course, Orlando Brown Jr. is the biggest question mark now. Can we afford him? I've said my piece. What would you say is the second top priority for the Kansas City Chiefs this offseason, Ryan? Offensive line. Position of need. I think I'd agree with you for sure. Good offensive line. Patrick Mahomes has more time in the pocket. He improved his time. What do you, I don't know how you'd phrase it, but being in the pocket, making smarter decisions. Stuff like that. I don't know. Also, it would help the running game too. I mean, I, Frank, Clark's, Frank Clark's gone, so you have that money. I mean, why not? I mean, I know they have a strategy, and obviously it's better than what I think, but I think you got to get that offensive line right. I think we're in a position where we can't look to find Orlando Brown Jr.'s replacement in the draft, given that our first-round picks at 32. All the top tackles are more than likely taken at that point. That and I, I'm not sure. I haven't really had an opportunity to see who were the biggest names that off that left tackle for this draft class. The free agency class, Orlando Brown Jr. is the top left tackle in this free agency class. There isn't really any other notable ones. I think Taylor Luan is possibly the second best, but he's coming off an injury, and he just got released by Tennessee. He's also older than Orlando Brown Jr. I feel if I was Brad Veach, I'd want to invest into Orlando Brown Jr. over him, and I'd rather have Orlando Brown Jr. over a rookie. Yeah, I agree. I say you just... I mean, if the money, even if you don't like the contract, as long as it's not nothing crazy, I think you do your best to make it work. That's the thing. I just, I just don't know how willing he is. It, it, for him, it was the guaranteed money. Last year, he apparently said that the Chiefs were nowhere near the ballpark that he was looking at for guaranteed money. I think he was looking for the $70 million range guaranteed money and the Chiefs came up I think 20 million short 
they're in the 50 million range or something close to that. Maybe Brett Veach throws a little bit more at him this year, but but doesn't go quite 270. Stays in the 60 range possibly. Meets him kind of in the middle and tells him, we want to have you in the long-term picture. The way to maintain that and to keep winning Super Bowls is you have to be realistic. You gave up some of the most pressures this year. You helped us win a Super Bowl, but you really weren't a top left tackle in the league. He was named to the Pro Bowl, but the Pro Bowl means nothing at this point. All pro selections are what matters more. Those hold more weight. I just hope Orlando Brown Jr. is realistic in his negotiations. Yeah, If you want to go to a poverty franchise to make more money, I get it. You know, I've never been in a position to make that much money, but that's a lot of zeros if you want to make your money. I get it. But now that, you know, players, veterans are going to want to come to KC on friendly deals so they can, you know, make a deep postseason run, you never know. We might be able to get somebody on a very friendly deal, too, and have even more money. Give us a year or two while we try and figure out what we're going to do. The clock is ticking on him. I don't know how patient he'll be. Like you said, he, the opportunity to go make, you know, $23 million a season and to get $70 million, $72 million guaranteed, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, I just think also if you replace Patrick Mahomes with any other quarterback in the league with going off script and being able to make difficult plays and doing the unreal, how good would he have looked this season? How much money would he potentially be earning with all the pressures he gave up? If it was... So also, that's kind of one of those things too. Yeah, if it was Chad Henney back there, he would have probably given up a lot of sacks. Oh, we'd be in the lottery right now. I and mean, that's just what it is. I think, he, like you said, he has to be realistic with his talent and what he's done this year. I mean, if a team's willing to give him that money, I'm not going to be mad at the guy. I don't think it's the best thing for his career, but, you know, he might be thinking about his kids and grandkids and stuff like that. So he wants that bread. And by the way, his dad played in the NFL too. So it's not like the Brown family is hurting for money. But I do understand if the money's there, the money's there. I, I do get that. Yeah, I also, you know, I think you also have to factor in just the average length of like an NFL career, injuries off the court or off the field issues that could happen. You never know what's going to happen. So, I mean, if he wants to move on and make the money, I, I, yeah, go for it. I guess it's just money or team success at this point. I really hope we do resign him just because I don't think there's any better options out there. It's good to have continuity within your offensive line. It's important. I think if you have bad offensive line play, you're not going to win Super Bowls. I mean, that's just is what it is. That, and if we can get him extended, that's one, then that's one less thing we have to worry about. Then you move on to Chris Jones. Yeah, and puts our money in a better idea of where our money's at. Exactly. You get those two guys paid, everything else starts to become more clear. But if they're not, then yeah, you're going to have to look into either drafting a guy, moving up in the draft, or trading for somebody, or signing a guy like Taylor Luan. I don't know. That's crazy. We're in agreement on both those two topics. Yeah. I, I can't really think of any other arguments. Like offensive line, defensive line. Those are two areas that I mean those are two glaring areas the Chiefs have struggled at in years past. 
So it, yeah, it does make sense. You can always add more pass rushers and you can always continue to protect your investment, which is Patrick Mahomes. Real quick, the Chiefs, I did see a report that they are likely to resign Juju Smith-Schuster, which is kind of surprising after his stupid TikTok about the Eagles and James Bradbury and all of that. That's kind of interesting. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed if we let him walk. I think he is a solid receiver. And it, the reason why I would bring him back is just because you're more than likely let McCall Hartman walk. So it, losing two, you don't want to do that. At least you lose one and get another guy back. So I wouldn't be mad if we bring him back. Hopefully it's for the right money. Hopefully we keep him under $10 million a season. Yeah, the money's got to be right. I think that tweet after the Super Bowl definitely didn't help his situation, but that second half in the Super Bowl, it's like, oof. Yeah. Also, you know, can he stay healthy for a full season? I think you have to factor that into the money, too. We'll see. I think they, they definitely need him keep him below $12 million, $10 million at most, but hopefully below that. We'll see, though. We'll keep you guys updated. Hope you all enjoy episode 44. We're going to have some more rumors next week we're going to recap the big 12 tournament next week and before i forget too don't forget to look forward to the bar top sports talk tournament bracket challenge this sunday selection sunday tune in for that get a good idea of what your picks are going to be we're going to put the social media post out and we're also going to create the bracket on espn tournament challenge app so remember those Tune in for episode 45 next week. Hope you guys all enjoy. Take care.